Think about the best meal you've ever had. The flavor, the smell and the aroma, the experience that you had when you enjoyed that. Now think of the worst. A few years ago, before we had any kids, we had an international student living with us named Christy. And one day, after I brought her home from school, I went about making a meal like I normally did, which included mashed potatoes. Now, I, at this time, was sick. I was congested. Um, I wasn't smelling very well. My taste buds were a little bit muted as a result of the sickness. So I'm going out about making the meal. Potatoes taste good, ready to go. I serve them to Darian and Christy. And I remember they take a bite of the mashed potatoes and they immediately go the, the, the sour face and the pluck, pluck, that right there when your tongue just dries out. And Darian leans over to me and I fondly remember her saying, so you like your salt, huh? Because of my muted uh, senses, I added a little bit too much salt. Now, salt had become the main character of that meal. It became the focal point. Uh, We remember the salt. I don't even remember what came with the mashed potatoes. We just forever talked about salty potatoes. Salt is never meant to be the main character of a meal. Salt is not the main thing that you want to enjoy you don't go to a restaurant and like, mm, I just really want to lick some salt right now. That, that's not what we do. Salt is supposed to be a supporting character, a supporting role. It's supposed to be there. It's a, we want it to know that it's there because it enhances and makes things better, but it's not meant to be the main character. As we continue our series in the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus's vision for human flourishing. We find ourselves at a very, very common passage. So common that the language that comes from this is found throughout our culture. So as we go into this, I invite you to open your Bibles, and we're going to be reading in Matthew 5, 13 through 16. As we go there, I want you to know that this is what I want you to take from this time. I want you to know that disciples of Jesus are called to be salt and light, living distinctly, helpfully, and visibly for the sake of others and the glory of God. Salt and light living distinctly, helpfully, and visibly for the sake of others and for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that we get to come and sit under as our authority. Father, I know I am longing to physically be with my brothers and sisters. I know this is not the way it's supposed to be. We we are made to be together. And so while we long for the day where we get to be together and celebrate God, as we are separate, that you bring us together by your spirit, you unify us, and that you bring this text to light, that you help us, your people, know what it means to be salt and light in the midst of this moment in time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Let's go ahead and read Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So here Jesus is. He's up on the mount speaking to his disciples with the audience present. Hundreds of people listening in. He has just finished the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes are an invitation into a new way of life in the kingdom. About peacemaking and hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And so after he says those things, which concludes in... Um, being thankful and celebrating that we are persecuted for righteousness sake, Jesus then speaks to his disciples and he says that they are salt and light. Now, Jesus is using this common language and it's beautiful storytelling because there is a lot of ways in which this can be understood. Salt and light have a robust understanding. And while it has a robustness to it, I want to focus in on two ways that I think Jesus is speaking to his audience and speaking to us on what it means to be salt. And then then a third one about what it means to be light. So first, salt is distinct. Salt is distinct. As I discovered when I was making mashed potatoes, salt wasn't the main course. Salt isn't... uh, I'm going to pause. First thing, salt is distinct. Salt is distinct. Salt is a chemically different agent that you're adding to a meal. If you're adding it to a piece of meat, you're not adding meat on meat. You're adding salt, chemically different, for the sake of that meat. If you're adding it to soup to enlighten the flavors, as we'll talk about, you're not adding more soup into soup. You're adding something that's distinct from, but it's part of to make the whole thing better. This distinctness that Jesus is calling us to and his people to is this reality that what he says in the Gospel of John, we are to be in the world, not of the world. To be in the world means that you're going about life as the people of your day are. You're not secluded from, you're not separate from, you're not running away from, but you're in the mix of the culture and the mix of everyday life. That's salt in the mix. But still, salt is not the same thing as. It's distinct from. The Gospel of John, that means that we're not of the world. 
that there is a different value system in the kingdom of God. There's a different way of life in God's kingdom. That the values and the order of society is flipped on its head in God's kingdom. This is an understanding of what it means to be holy. Holiness, and the word holy literally means set apart, distinct and separate from. And so I think that this is an important understanding for us when we think about what does it mean to be salt in the world? It means that we're in but not of the world. We're distinct from, we're engaging in the normal rhythms of life and yet we do it in a way and motivated by the kingdom of God for the glory of Jesus. I want you to think about this season that we're in right now with the COVID-19 virus. What does it mean to be distinct in the midst of this time? I think one of the ways in which we can really capture this is when you think of the outlook that you have when it comes to COVID-19. Many people are fearful. Many people are frightened. Many people are losing hope, and that may be where you are today. You, you see the spike of unemployment. You see the drop of the Dow. You see the dip of your 401k, and you are hopeless. What does it mean to be a distinct people in the midst of that It means that we are fueled by the kingdom of God. It means that we are fueled with the truth of the gospel that no matter what happens to us physically, we are secure in Christ. We know that our treasure is not here on earth. It's located in the new heavens and the new earth. We know that no matter what happens to us, no matter what happens to our bank account, we are secure in Christ. And so what does it mean to be in this moment, but be distinct from it? Part of it may mean for you that the attitude in which you go about living in this moment is fueled by the gospel, not by the news networks. Now, what this doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you're going to have sadness and hopeless moments of hopelessness. I know even this morning as I'm recording this, I just had a, a, an hour or two where I was just down. I, I was thinking about all the ramifications and then I got word about things that needed to be changed about serving kids and I, I, was, I was just frustrated. And so that, those are moments that are honest. And so this is not an invitation to lie to yourself. It's a moment to say, no, that's not the true source of my foundation. To be distinct, to be salt in the midst of this means that I know that even if these things are dire, even though I do lament and I invite you to lament and be sad about the things that are are not and will not be the same in the coming weeks and months. And yet that's not our foundation. That's not our source. That's not our hope. And so to be distinct is to have a different outlook an attitude of the ultimate outlook. Now, distinctiveness can look a lot of different ways, and I invite you to think about that. What does it mean for you and your missional community right now as the salt of the earth to be a distinct people? 
to be different from while you're in the midst of. So first, salt is distinct. But secondly, salt is helpful. Salt is helpful. And there's two different dynamics of salt being helpful that I, I want to address briefly with, uh, with our time. The first one is salt is helpful in the flavoring of, the enhancement or making better. I don't know if you've ever had bland food before, but there's nothing like just a little bit of salt that can really take that to a whole nother level. And because salt has this ability to be as a supporting character to enhance what's already inherently good within something. It doesn't completely change it, but there's something that's already in it and it makes it better. That's what salt and it being helpful, that's what it's doing. That we as the salt of the earth are to find the inherent good things that are within our culture, within our neighborhood, and come around and enhance those things, to build them up, to make them better, to celebrate them. Because there is good within the common grace things that God has given us. So to be salt and to be helpful means to enhance, to make things better than they were. And there's also a side of it that to be helpful is also as a preservative. At the times of Jesus, before modern refrigeration, to preserve meat over periods of time, salt would be added to make sure that the worst parts of the meat would not become the main parts of the meat. It would enhance, excuse me, it would distract from or take away the moldiness and allow it to be in the long haul. Salt has the ability to protect from the worst parts of itself. So what does it mean to be the people of God in the midst of the world, engaged in the common rhythms of our life? And how do we do that where we are protecting humanity from the worst parts of itself? This is the cry for justice. This is the cry for identifying things that are not where they're supposed to be and calling it to be at that place. We know that because of the sinful nature that's inherently within us as people and because it's a a parasite that attaches to good things that God has created, our selfish tendencies have a way of expressing themselves. Culturally, I, I'll even use the, uh, the idea of a consumeristic culture, of, that we have selfish tendencies that make us, this is what I want, this is what I, I have, and I don't care about anybody else, it's about numero uno, number one. And I don't know if you're noticing and seeing what's happening, but COVID-19 is actually bringing that to the forefront and saying that's actually not sustainable in this moment. It's not about you. This is about others. And that is a picture of this preservative helpfulness that I think comes from the Christian ethic of love. It is a distinctly Christian thought that has embedded into our Western society that love of other is the primary motivator. It's not about what's in it for me. It's about the other person. How do I love them? How do I serve them? And in the midst of 
the crazy that's going on, both now in the uniqueness of COVID-19, but just in general, this fueling of love is a preservative that does not allow culture to get to its worst places. That we think of the other, we serve the other, we step in when those don't step out. We identify and help people see the discrepancies of which the thinking of the day is and say, no, that's this. Here's the truth of the gospel. And so to be salt and to be helpful is not just to enhance the good parts, but to preserve from the bad parts. So what are areas in which you identify and have opportunity to be helpful in this moment? Are there um, ways in which you can enhance something good that's happening in your neighborhood? This was the motivation of why we partnered with the school district to serve meals at Homeward Terrace. This is a way, a very simple way that the people of God can join what good is happening and provide meals as, as Jesus provides for us. We want to join and enhance and make better, but we also want to preserve from the worst parts of us. And so what does it look like for you to be helpful in this moment, to step into and bring hope in the midst of hopelessness, to bring care in the midst of isolation? And so when Jesus is talking about salt, I think the characteristics that are important for us right now are that dynamic of salt as being distinct and it's being helpful. Now, Jesus takes that metaphor and he adds to it this idea of light, that you are the light of the world. Now, salt and light have distinctiveness in their understanding, but really best understood that Jesus is teaching one general idea here, and he's using two different metaphors to get there. So this idea of light, and as you go through verses 14 and 15, the idea here is that light is meant to be seen. In this metaphor, Jesus says a city on a hill can't be hidden, and it's supposed to be seen. A light is not supposed to have a, a sh- not just a shade, but a, a cloth over it, stopping it from shining. It's like, no, it is meant to be seen. And so in the same way that a light is to be seen, you, the people of God, are to be seen in your good works. Um, Christianity is not a private and personal faith alone. Not only are the truths of the gospel public, but our faith is meant to enter into every single area of our lives. We don't just believe our faith and have it shape only a few moments or a few hours of our day. Our faith is to fuel all of our life. Sunday shapes every day. We're empowered by for and for every moment of every day. And we're to be seen. We're to it's for the sake of God as we'll talk about, but this is not private just me and God alone. This is meant to be seen elsewhere. Scott McKnight says it this way. Our task 
the people of God, our task is to represent God, to mediate God's goodness, God's grace, God's holiness, and God's justice to this world as those who represent God. Salt and light then are not just about what we do, it's about who we are. Light is meant to be seen. And so as we live out our faith in the midst of this moment and many moments to come, it's meant to be seen. Now, as I say this, I also recognize that in the next chapter, there's a group of people that are attempting to be seen that Jesus rebukes. And so what's the difference here? What's what's going on here? If, If he's saying, hey, you're meant to be seen... But then there's this other group that is trying to be seen and he's rebuking them. What, what, where is Jesus? Are you, are you, um, is there a discrepancy here? And I think that we can understand this by, under, by looking at the motivation and intention by which you are seen. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 is rebuking those that are trying to be seen by others so that they themselves look good. I want you to think good of me, so I want to do things in front of you, so I look good. This is something that in my story I've had to work through. The desire to have other people notice me. The desire for my own insecurities to uh, be affirmed by other people. So I, I get this dilemma. And, it's, and sometimes it's a very fine line between being seen for my own sake to fuel myself. And that's in my story, and this may be true for you, the reason why I have that is because my identity was not rooted in the understanding of how God sees me. When my understanding of life, when my Uh, understanding of how much God loves me is off. I start to look to other people to give me what only God can do. I say things so that other people will laugh or or notice, and that fuels me. That just makes me feel better about myself. That's showing and being seen for the sake of myself. But I don't think that's what Jesus is speaking about here. This isn't the scene so that you are noticed. This is seen for the intention of something completely different. And that's seen in verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others. We, I, be seen, people of God, be seen. So that they may see your good deeds or your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That is the difference here. Why do you want to be seen? Who gets celebrated by your good works? Are you motivated to be seen so that other people will notice you? I'll call that the look at me, look at me attitude. Hey, I did this. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Or are you motivated so that when people see you do something, they, you're able to point them to God? Now remember, we are image bearers of God. We are like mirrors. Our job has always been like a mirror to reflect 
God to the world and the world back to God. That's our motivation. That is what the church is called to do. But when the mirror, instead of pointing to God or to others, it's pointed back at myself, that's when I'm wanting to be seen for my own sake, as opposed to being seen for God's glory. This is the same motivation that was experienced at the Tower of Babel. They were building something so that they could identify with one another how amazing and powerful and strong they were. That happens in our day. That happens in our hearts. And what Jesus is saying here is, yes, you want to be seen, but you're not seen for your own sake. You're seen that people see your good works. They see what you're up to so that you can give glory and they can give glory to God. First, Peter fleshes this out as a, an identity in verses uh, chapter 2, 8, and 9, he says, hey, that we want people to see your honorable conduct and see your good deeds. And then in, in chapter 3, verse 15, he says, be prepared to give an account for the hope which you have. Give an account. So when people see your good works, it's not just enough for them to see your good works. They need to know the motivation behind why you are doing it. You're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it so that God gets the glory. So why do you want to be seen? Maybe you don't want to be seen. You're like, no, I just want to play back. And my challenge to you is, no, no, no. If all you're doing is living out your faith privately or only with the household of God, you're not fulfilling part of what it means to be in the kingdom of God because we're supposed to be image bearers reflecting God and giving him glory. But we also know that some, one of the tendencies is to be seen for our own sake. So which, where are you on this? Are you being seen for your own sake? Or are you not wanting to be seen and just do it amongst the family of God? And I think Jesus addresses both of us saying, no, 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 it's not about you, but you need to be out there. It's not for your glory, but your works need to be seen by other people. And our job when they are seen is to give him the glory, not us. So what does it mean to be salt and light right now in this moment? So I want to call you to something over this next week that I think is an opportunity for us to be salt and light and to, with the intention of being seen for the glory of God. God has done something in your life at some point. He has changed you. He's transformed you. You are no longer who you once were. And we want to equip you so that you can tell that story powerfully and passionately and that other people will be able to hear it and so that you cannot give yourself glory, but you can use it to give glory to God who is in heaven so that you're not the hero of the story. You're not the main character. Remember, salt is not the main character on the dish. Our life and who we are is not the main character. God is the main character. So our job is to give him glory. Our our job is to make sure he's seen. So this is why we're doing the hashtag Jesus changed my life this week. Record a 30 to 60 second video and post it. And even if you don't post often, 
post it anyways. Even if it's across five platforms, only one platform, it doesn't matter. Post it. This is an opportunity where we can be distinct and that we're sharing hope. We can be helpful in that we're not just um, giving conspiracy theories or just passing on bad news. We're being helpful here and it's an opportunity to be seen. Yes, we want to be physically together. Yes, we want to be back to a way in which we're able to fully be embodied together. And yet, we're because we're not there, and it's Easter, how can we use this time to be salt and light to share the good news of Jesus with those who need it? And so... I encourage you, I challenge you, I implore you to engage in this, to utilize the platforms that God has given you, however big or however small, so that you may proclaim the good news of Jesus. To my friends that are listening and watching that don't yet believe, this is the reality of why we as God's people do this. We do this and we are light, not because it's to point to us. We do this because Jesus himself says he is the light of the world. We know that he is the one who is actually the distinct one. He is not just man. He is the God man. We know Jesus isn't just helpful to make my life better. We actually know that Jesus is Lord in his life his death, his resurrection. He showed us not only what it means to be fully human, but he helped us in ways that we could not help ourselves. He helped us in a way that he took on our sin and gave us his holiness and his righteousness. He is the Messiah. He is the creator God. He is the one who only and in him only can our hearts find their full satisfaction and rest. It's in Jesus and Jesus alone. And he is the one that has been seen. We want to be seen. And one day we'll be seen when he completely returns to heaven uh, to install the new heavens and new earth here again completely wiping away every sin, every death. No, there will be no more death. There will be no more suffering. Every tear from every eye will be wiped. And the way the world was meant to be will be lived for those who profess faith in him. And so my invitation for you, friends, is that you place your faith in him. You recognize that he has, is your savior, but he's also your Lord. He's the one that motivates your life, that fuels your life, that, that now determines how your life is lived. You're now welcomed into not only the family of God with new brothers and sisters, but you have an opportunity to live a new life empowered by his spirit in his kingdom, all for his glory. The way that your life and my life was always meant to be lived anyways. So, Soma, as we go to the table together, this is a reminder of Jesus' body broken for you, his blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And for those of you that don't yet believe, this is an invitation for you. And I invite you to right now in the comments on this watch party to say, I'm professing faith for the first time. 
If you need to private message me, I invite you to do that as well. If you need to email me, text me if we're friends, I invite you to do that or to let somebody know that you're relationally connected with to tell them I'm professing faith for the first time. Let me pray for us and then I'll send you to the table. Father, thank you that you are light of the world. Thank you that while we were in darkness, your light shone. That you showed us what it means to live. You've shown us what it means for us to have a fulfilled, flourishing life. And ultimately, that's only lived when we're close to you, when we're worshiping you, when we're submitted to you, and we're following your ways. We can't do that apart from you. We can't be made right with the Holy God in our own in our own unholiness. And so, Jesus, you paid the penalty for our sins so that we can now abide in God the Father. We can now uh, join you in the divine nature, as Peter says. And so, God, I pray for those listening. May we renew our dependence and trust and faith in you as the only one that can forgive us, the only one that can sustain us, and the only one that can fully satisfy us as we wait for your return to renew and restore all creation. So Father, I thank you. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.